Let me walk you through the initial phase of the face-to-face interaction, what we sometimes refer to as the meet and greet, and the skills necessary to have a powerful impact on people, whether you've known them for a long time or you're meeting them for the first time, from the point of view of attention. Unfortunately, many people relate to the one-on-one interaction, the meet and greet. As something markedly different from presentation skills, where everyone knows that they need to be on their p's and q's, the one-on-one interaction or the meet to greet is not even identified as a skill set. Clearly, we all know that there are some people that, when we meet them, have this incredible impact on contact. These individuals are described as being incredibly charismatic. Then, by contrast, there are individuals who seem to be socially awkward, or not particularly compelling, or they get really good once they get warmed up or after they have a couple of drinks. Unfortunately, that's not good. I'll say that when it comes to advisors, given how short their attention span can be, with all the people and situations and you know phone calls and staff coming at them. It is tantamount to suicide to be anything less than maximally impactful, because it won't take long for an advisor to write you off. That being said, let's take a look at the first point of interaction between you and an advisor as you go in to meet with them. So you walk in, and the first point of contact between you and them, if you notice and pay attention, is going to be eye contact. Now you might wonder, well, what could there be to learn about eye contact? One of the things I'd like you to notice the next time you're looking at another person is that you can only see one eye in focus at a time; that you cannot see both eyes with equal focus at the same time. That one eye is in focus, and the other eye, secondarily, is by contrast out of focus. This shows you just how tight. Our attention really is. This can be difficult to see if you're actually looking from one eye to the next, rapidly moving your eyes back and forth, which is something that you'll see that many people do without being conscious of it. So that you know, when people are talking to you and you see their eyes moving back and forth fairly rapidly, they're actually moving their eyes at the same rate that they're talking to themselves in their heads. Which is why it is fairly easy to read when someone is not fully present, or not necessarily paying full attention. The whole point of this is to recognize that when you see someone, you want to focus in on one eye as you're talking to them. To occasionally shift eyes from one to the other is not a big deal, and there is no eye in particular that you should start with. The main thing is, from the very beginning of interacting with someone, you have to be focused. I must admit that I have seen some people misuse or misunderstand this skill, and turn it into a staring contest, which is not what I want. What we're dealing with here is quite the opposite. It is easy for me to coach people on their unconscious communication skills, but clearly, that is more easily done if we're face to face. But in this medium, you can still begin the journey to being a master of communication skills. Fortunately or unfortunately, 
Eye contact has a big impact on the communication experience. For example, when someone won't maintain eye contact when talking to you, do you have a hard time believing that they're honest? If someone won't really look at you when you're talking to them, do you believe they're sincere? Do you think you can trust them? Do you think of them as confident? Probably not. And the biggest one is the same thing that happens when you come home and your kids are like, Daddy, 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 or Mommy, 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 and you're still thinking about your day and you don't realize that you're only half listening. And what they make that mean is you don't care. Probably the biggest problem with a lack of attentiveness and visual focus is that people will make that mean that you don't care. Let me ask you. How do you feel when you're talking to someone? You go up to meet someone, and as they're talking to you, you can tell they're looking around the room as if they're looking for someone more important to talk to. It's easy to see when others do that to us. Can you see when you're doing that to other people? You're likely keenly aware when you walk into an advisor's office that they're only half paying attention to you and half having their eyes flip back and forth to their screen or you know, an assistant who's shouting in or coming in with something. Obviously, like any other human being, you find this somewhat annoying. But seemingly, since you can't do anything about it, you simply communicate over it, knowing that you don't have their full attention and knowing full well that you cannot be making maximum impact. This particular process requires that you be aware of where your eyes are when you're speaking. Making sure that you maintain eye contact with the advisor while speaking is designed not merely to focus you, but to focus them. You will find that advisors pay about as much attention to you as you pay to them. One of the problems with eye contact is that individuals know on some level that eye contact is how we communicate confidence and at the same time, Many people avoid eye contact because it provokes feelings of insecurity. All of this revolves around this one single communication channel, eye contact. Here we are. We're walking up to meet the advisor, and from the very first moment that we lay eyes on them, as we're crossing the room, as we're crossing the lobby, as we're crossing their office to shake their hand, we're maintaining eye contact by looking at a single eye and staying focused. The next point of contact that emerges is actually voice. It's the greeting. That's the way the sequence naturally unfolds. So what could there be to learn? What could there be to refine about our use of voice? And how can I use my voice in a way? that will capture the advisor's attention, create greater impact, greater connectivity. What can I do to impact that equation? The answer is ultimately very simple. That the moment you hear the advisor's voice, what you want to do is match their voice. Specifically, match their volume, match their pace, match their tone. What you'll find is that by matching the person's voice, you're also matching their emotional state. I've got to be candid with you. Many advisors, when they talk to me about the communication skills of the various kinds of individuals who come in to partner with them, share with me what they deem to be some of the most reprehensible skills 
or shall I say, lack of skill. So, for example, the overly gregarious, the let me put on, for example, imagine if you would a situation where an advisor is deep in thought, right? So when they look up, the person coming to them extends their hand. And the advisor says, good morning. And the person's like, hey, good to see you, man. You know, I've been wondering, like, I've been wanting to meet with you. Right? I got to tell you, immediately that advisor is going to be put off. Now, the individual thinks they're being enthusiastic. They think, you know, I'm, 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 I'm being gregarious. When the reality is you're actually being annoying. Right? It's not about being one way or the other. It is about being present and attentive enough to be able to match the person where they are emotionally. And one of the single best ways to do that is through matching voice. The reality is, is that when you find someone who seems to be very different in terms of their emotional tone or their voice, the reaction that you have is you tend to unconsciously dislike them. When you run into someone who's very similar, you have the experience of liking them. You're not aware of why you like them. You could say that the basis for liking is symmetry, and the basis for disliking is asymmetry. What we're talking about here is the fundamental basis of rapport. These are not things you need to believe because I said them. That is not what I want. These are things I'm actually going to challenge you to observe for yourself. This entire program is about understanding based on self-study. If the first point of contact in an interaction with an advisor begins with eye contact and the second point of contact is voice and you've maintained eye contact by looking in one eye, you've been able to match the person's voice, the very next point of contact is handshake. What we're fundamentally talking about are unconscious rapport skills, and you've probably noticed that you've met some individuals who have some fairly weird handshakes. Have you ever shaken someone's hand, and they gave you that Godzilla grip they were taught as a child? What did you think about that person at that time? Were you thinking that you liked them? Probably not. Or were you thinking that maybe they had something to prove? Or maybe the person's ego was out of check? Or maybe they thought they were going to dominate you. By contrast, what happens when you meet someone and they have a limp or extremely loose handshake? What do you think about them? Often that they're weak or a wuss or a weenie or perhaps that the person is spineless. Let me ask you a question, though. I'm just curious. For you to be able to say that someone's handshake is either hard or soft, too hard or too soft, those are comparatives. And since those are comparatives, you must be using a reference point. What do you think you're using to compare to other people's handshakes to decide what's too hard and what's too soft? The answer is obvious. It's your own. The problem is you've never shaken your own hand. So in reality, you're using a standard that you yourself are not even conscious of. Unfortunately, there's no way for us to recognize for sure that our own handshake may leave a lot to be desired. What should you do then after being given a lifetime of advice about giving people a firm handshake? What would represent 
an advanced understanding of communication skills. What you would do is you would actually match the other person's handshake. To show you how powerful this is, notice what happens if you go to shake someone's hand and they withdraw their hand too quickly from the handshake. You will think on some level that maybe the person doesn't like you. Let's say that you shake someone's hand and they hold the handshake for much longer than you ordinarily hold the handshake. You might think they like you a little too much. The bottom line is that what feels right is what the other person is unconsciously doing. And that whenever you're radically different, they don't just merely leave it a different. They will make you wrong. And that will be experienced by them as disliking you because you are dissimilar. This very simple sequence is frequently poorly performed by many individuals that you interact with. One of the great things about advisors is because they're communicators and salespeople, they always appreciate consciously and unconsciously when someone is a superior communicator to themselves, when someone is a better salesperson than themselves. Many people find advisors difficult, which is not the case for me. It's just that advisors, quite frankly, don't have the time to tolerate people who are not adding value. And part of your value is not just the information you provide, but the way in which you present yourself, the way in which you communicate. As simple as the skills are so far, maintaining eye contact by looking in a single eye, matching a person's volume, pace, and tone of their voice, being able to return the exact pressure and style of handshake when someone shakes your hand. They all have one fundamental challenge when it comes to executing them, which is that they require that you pay attention to the other person. This is a lot more difficult than it sounds because what it means is you must take your attention off of yourself. And what you will discover when you meet people who have not been trained Because these individuals' attention is on themselves, they come across as incredibly self-absorbed, which is usually not the kind of presence that you find compelling, let alone persuasive. Think about a time that you met someone that you deemed to be incredibly charismatic, not, not eccentric, charismatic. Let me ask you, was that someone who seemed to you to be incredibly self-absorbed, Right? Did they seem to be the kind of person's attention was all wrapped up in themselves? Or did you have the experience that so many people report when they meet people of great stature or people who are incredibly charismatic? What they say is, they always say, you know, I can't believe that when I met them, there must have been a thousand people in the room. But when they interacted with me, I felt like I was the only person in the room. Are we giving that same experience to the advisors? Are we fully present? Are we giving them our full attention? That is the question. Remember, we don't need to manipulate the advisor. The only thing that we're doing is leading by example. The person that we need to most control is ourselves. The very next moment that arises in the sequence is the two of you sit down. This is typically part of the whole meet and greet. Fundamentally, when you sit down, you should be sitting down in a way that is similar to the advisor. 
What we're talking about here are rapport skills, not presentation skills. I'll get to presentation skills in a few moments. When we're talking about rapport skills, we're talking about an entirely different skill set than presentation skills. If the advisor sits down and they're sitting back in their chair, you sit back in your chair. If the advisor is leaning forward, you should lean forward. If the advisor has their arms crossed across their chest, you don't necessarily have to mimic them, but you should not be radically different. You should find some way to be similar, not necessarily exact. 